Hi, everybody. It's Jonathan Keller from California Family Council. It is Friday, April 7th, and we are coming to you with a special breaking news edition of Life, Family, Liberty. Judge Neil Gorsuch is now Justice Neil Gorsuch. And we got together earlier with our friend John Girardi from Right to Life of Central California, recorded a special conversation for you on Facebook Live, and we're presenting that audio for you today here in the podcast feed. Please take a listen and enjoy. From California Family Council here in Fresno, California, at the offices of Right to Life of Central California, alongside my friend John Girardi. Good to be with you. And we are doing kind of a simulcast, even though it's on my personal page. We're going to reshare this on both the California Family Council page, the Right to Life of Central California page. Uh, by now, you may have already seen the news. You might have been peppered with tons of Twitter updates or breaking news alerts on your phone that this morning not, by... Not everyone gets breaking well, news and Twitter updates on their phone, not, John. Not, not everybody. <laughs> by a vote of 54 to 45, the U.S. Senate earlier today voted to confirm Judge Neil Gorsuch, President Trump's nominee, to fill the seat left by the death of Antonin Scalia, mm-hmm. and Judge Gorsuch is now Justice Gorsuch. Yep. So, John, as a august member of the legal profession, uh, even though you're not currently practicing law, what uh, what does this mean? Why is why is a Supreme Court a vacancy and a confirmation such a big deal? Well, it's uh, an enormous deal for all kinds of different areas of law, chiefly for abortion law, for law as it relates to marriage, to all kinds of large scale social issues, um, chiefly for abortion, though, because the Supreme Court has entered the universe of our abortion law and basically co-opted it and taken it over so that state governments and the federal government can't really regulate abortion very much, just mm-hmm. sort of at the edges of, of abortion's legality. Um, and I think the whole this whole cycle that started with Antonin Scalia's death about a year ago, or over a year ago, uh, that resulted in the Republicans in the Senate refusing to have any hearings on President Obama's nominee of uh, Merrick Garland, which is a totally constitutional act on the part of the Republicans in the Senate. It's not stealing a Supreme no, Court seat? it's not stealing a Supreme Court seat. The Senate has the duty of advice and consent. Uh, the President nominates judges and the Senate has a duty of advice and consent and sometimes their advice is to go get lost so <laughs> um, so uh, and their consent is yeah. no way Jose and there is sometimes and they don't have to give you their consent yeah so by blocking uh, judge Garland uh, judge Garland and by waiting until Donald Trump won the election so that he could nominate uh, judge Gorsuch to the high court uh, this has been I think this will probably go down when all is said and done mm-hmm. in the history of the pro-life fight in the United States. Uh, this will probably be one of the most important moments, I think, yeah. because, I mean, the, that's the thing people, I mean, Gorsuch maintains basically the status quo. Right. We have four justices on the Supreme Court who think that the Constitution doesn't say anything about abortion and that states should be able to regulate abortion as they please. And the U.S. Congress should regulate abortion as they please. You have four justices on the Supreme Court who think that no restrictions on abortion are ever allowed or permissible mm-hmm. between Ginsburg, Breyer, uh, Kagan, and Sotomayor. They think no restrictions should be permissible. So that's uh, four on 
my right, your left, <laughs> four on the left. And then there's one guy in the middle, Anthony Kennedy, who maintains the current status quo because mm-hmm. the four liberal justices vote with him to maintain abortion's basic status of being legal for all nine months of pregnancy in any reason. Um, had the left gotten a fifth vote mm-hmm. and not had to listen to the then three remaining conservatives and Justice Kennedy, those five liberal justices could have wiped out every single pro-life law that's been passed in the last 25 years since yeah. Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And, and uh, the, really in particular, there's been over the last several years since the, uh, the, the landslide victories at both federal level and state assembly level in 2010 and 2012, mm-hmm. we've seen a record number of pro-life laws passed just over right. the last six, seven yeah. years. Um, and again, as you said, all of that hard work of people across the country in states um, that they, you know, people worked hard, they elected legislators that believe in the sanctity of human life, they believe in the importance of uh, defending those who can't defend themselves. Uh, all of those laws could have been swept away yeah. if someone like Judge Garland, uh, who by all accounts is a, a fine jurist and a nice man, but fundamentally has a different view of the sanctity of human life than the rest of us and do of the pro-life movement. Yeah, and of the Constitution more broadly. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, this is of concern for those of us at Right to Life about abortion issues, but when you look at questions like religious liberty issues, uh, you look at how cases like the Hobby Lobby case could have been decided, you know, the total opposite way had, you know, someone like Judge Garland been on the court rather than uh, Justice uh, Gorsuch. So, you know, it's it's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why that's why both parties kind of went went all out. Nuclear. Went, as they went say. nuclear. The the Democrats made the unprecedented move of trying to filibuster a Supreme Court nominee, which has never happened before. And so the Republicans uh, changed the rules of the Senate to go back to the traditional way of things mm-hmm. and said, no, you're not allowed to filibuster Supreme Court appointments. So, And, and to clarify, John, there's, uh, for people who are wondering, there has been exactly one time in all of history, in the last 228 years, I guess it is, mm-hmm. since 1789 when George Washington became the first president, um, there's been exactly one time that a Supreme Court justice has ever been filibustered. And that was in between the interregnum between Lyndon Johnson and I guess President Nixon in uh, 1968. The, the reason for that, there was a judge named Abe Fortas who they were trying to, he was already on the court, they were trying to elevate him. Uh, uh, LBJ was trying to basically pack the Supreme Court and elevate him. And there was a bipartisan filibuster because oh. there were serious ethical questions, actual ethical questions that were so severe that Abe Fortas had to resign. Uh, Not only was he not elevated to the chief justice position, he actually had to resign. But short of that. Yes, uh, and literally, so when the the Democrats are talking about the fact that, oh, this is an unprecedented overreach, and can you believe that the Republicans would do this? It's not an unprecedented. It's not. It's really just establishing the traditional rules. It is. Reestablishing the the, traditional rules. The unprecedented thing was that for the first time in, in history, there was a partisan filibuster in opposition to a bipartisanly approved Supreme Court justice. Yeah. And the reason you know it was bipartisan approved was that there were Democrats and Republicans that voted for cloture, voted to advance the nomination 
of Judge Gorsuch over the, over the filibuster. Mm -hmm. Every single person who voted against Judge Gorsuch was a Democrat. Mm -hmm. um, and there, it wasn't very many. In the, in the final tally, there were only three Democrats that voted for Judge Gorsuch to become Justice Gorsuch, but it was bipartisan. Yeah. And the, the amazing thing, some of you may remember some of our how do I say this delicately? Our, our older listeners um, who have, have more political experience. <laughs> how, how is that delicate? Longer political memories. <laughs> you may remember the Clarence Thomas hearings from yes. the, uh, the late 80s. Yeah. Uh, those were really up to this point the most controversial hearings. Yeah. Clarence, well, because they threw out all these accusations of sexual impropriety against him and all these baseless charges. It, it was a brutal um, confirmation battle, and, and it ended up being, he got approved by a very narrow margin. It was 52 to 48. Yeah, in a Democrat-controlled Senate, right? by the way. And that's the difference, was that he got approved 52 to 48 with a mixture of Democrats and Republicans. But the crazy thing uh, was that even Clarence Thomas, the most controversial, was not filibustered. No. He easily passed cloture and was afforded an up-or-down vote. And the fact that the Democrats thought that Neil Gorsuch was more controversial, less deserving of an up and down vote on the floor than, uh, than Clarence, Clarence Thomas. It's just, it, it goes to show that this really has never been about, never been about Judge Gorsuch. It never was about Judge Merrick Garland. It was about the people having a voice in the selection of the next Supreme Court justice. And sadly, the Democrats, I mean, I, I don't want to sound too partisan, but those Democrats that but here I go. <laughs> those Democrats that voted against even cloture for Judge Gorsuch, they simply are refusing to listen to the voice of the American people. Yeah, well, it, beyond that, though, what's underlying all of it is abortion. Yeah. And the Democrats are terrified that Trump could get another Supreme Court nominee, which could happen. Mm -hmm. There are rumors about Justice Kennedy possibly retiring this summer. There are, you know... Not to be macabre, but um, <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg is 83. So I think that's what Democrats are terrified of, that President Trump will shift the balance of power on the court as it relates to abortion. Again, we've got four lefties, yep. four righties, yep. and Justice Kennedy in the middle. Yep. If Justice Kennedy resigns and you get a conservative on the court, you could see Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey overturned. And that's that's... At the root of all of this. Yeah. That's why the Republicans are going to the mat to get Gorsuch confirmed. That's why the Democrats are going to the mat to stop him. Yeah. And the mother of all political battles will be this next seat. And, John, you were talking when we had lunch earlier today. You were actually mentioning our friend David French, who writes for National Review. He had a really interesting article uh, about the roots of all of this vitriol and partisanship. Yeah. And, and there's a reason why there has never been a filibuster up until now, but why Supreme Court nominations have been so contentious over the last 20 well, years. Well, they've been contentious and politicized because the court became contentious and politicized. Uh, Roe v. Wade was, even really liberal legal scholars will tell you, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg or Lawrence mm -hmm. Tribe, like, you know, these titans of left-wing legal academia will all say, Roe v. Wade was not a very well-decided case. It was very, yeah. there was this pre, there, there wasn't even much of a pretext that they were actually, that the majority on the court was trying to interpret the Constitution. They were creating the laws they wanted. It was really the height yeah. of judicial activism. It was, and, and, and you can kind of see it, it's sort of obvious. I mean, 
you know, in 1973, California had legalized abortion. New York had legalized abortion. England had legalized abortion. And there was this, you know, new feminist movement in the air that was basically had this opinion, well, abortion is necessary so that women can have the same opportunities as men to pursue their careers, and we don't want women to be hindered by a pregnancy they don't want, so they need to have legalized abortion. So the judges sort of thought, ah, oh, this is, the justices on the Supreme Court at the time just thought, ah, oh, you know, this is kind of the, the liberal, progressive, right thing to do, and mm -hmm. they didn't think the case was very important, yeah. which is amazing. Uh, but if you actually read their, the journals of some of those Supreme Court justices from that time, they, you can see they didn't think it was a very important case. Yeah. They just, they thought the Catholics would get mad, and that was it. But, which, you know, here we are, fifty years later, yep. <laughs> uh, forty years later, talking about it. Uh, and so they just engaged in this brutal act of judicial tyranny and yeah. struck down the laws in almost all fifty states and replaced it with their own judgments about how abortion law should be structured in a way that prevents states from regulating the question in any meaningful way. And, and I think this is one reason, you talked about this a little bit in your speech this morning uh, at the Catholic Professional Business Club, but one of the reasons why I think you don't see the level of um, contentiousness, the level of, of animosity on this issue in Europe, for example, is because there they actually have um, reasonable restrictions on abortion. Now, obviously, as, as pro-lifers, we think that all abortion is wrong, all abortion yeah. that is not to save the life of the mother is intrinsically evil. However, um, in places like Europe, they, they do have limits on abortion, whether yeah. it's in well, they, the first trimester or... Most countries in the world ban abortion after 20 weeks. Right. And a lot of countries ban it after the first trimester, and many countries will only allow you to have an abortion if it's for some specified like medical reason, like, a, like, a severe like actual reason. serious medical problems yeah. or something like that. So a, a, an abortion that's purely for birth control, which in America anyway is the overwhelming majority of abortions, yeah. probably like you know, 95% of them, at least 95% yeah. of them, um, those aren't legally permitted in many countries. And, and, the, so, and, and so we can't, we can't pass laws like that. Like if, if you tried to propose that in like the Texas legislature, which I'm sure the Texas legislature would love to pass, yeah. uh, it, it wouldn't fly. The Supreme Court would rule it to be unconstitutional. Yeah, and we see friends like, I see my friend Victoria from Virginia is, is watching. I mean, they've done yeoman's work there in Virginia, the Family Foundation of Virginia, and some of the other family policy councils around the country, right to life groups around the country have worked really hard to try to pass common sense abortion restrictions and regulation, things that try to both limit the actual number of abortions, but also protect women from these very dangerous um, and both physically and emotionally dangerous late-term abortion procedures. Mm -hmm. And because of the current abortion jurisprudence, you cannot have individual states, individual communities regulate this practice based on their own beliefs. And yeah. I mean, it really is the, the fact that it has been removed from the democratic process by the Supreme Court in 1973, and then further removed by Planned Parenthood v. Casey and the Supreme Court in 1992. And the fact that we have had such a, um, such a regime basically in place has meant that it's made things more aggressive and it's made every single one of these Supreme Court cases, every single one of these Supreme Court nominations, really a proxy fight 
yeah. over abortion. Yeah. And, and there are other issues. I mean, of course, you know, you, you listen to the things. There's, you know, Citizens United and there's, um, yeah. you know, uh, all does, these other cases. Does, does George, Judge Gorsuch care about the little guy? Yeah. He's, he's ruled against the little guy. Get, get out of here. Ha- however... Our august senator from California, Diane Feinstein, she did not ask specifically about whether or not uh, Citizens United was a super precedent. Uh, she made up this fake term, which was kind of hilarious. You could see yeah. Judge Gorsuch, uh, now Justice Gorsuch, yeah. I love saying that, in the... Uh, yeah, and speaking of Roe v. Wade, she, she said to Judge Gorsuch in the, in the hearings, do you consider Roe v. Wade a super precedent? And, and he just kind of looked honestly perplexed. He said... Uh, a, a, a what? <laughs> What's because that phrase you just made up? For, for you non-lawyers out there, uh, super precedent is not like an actual legal term. It, 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 Diane Feinstein just wants to make Roe v. Wade... Mean anything. Uh, to, <laughs> she wants Roe v. Wade to be this magical case that can never be overturned or reversed by the Supreme Court. So she yeah. made up... The, even though Roe v. Wade's not even really the controlling abortion law currently at the moment. It's Planned Parenthood versus Casey that right. is, is actually more operative right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's, I guess she's very confused on that point. Well, and, and I think it, it goes to show why this has been such a contentious thing. And hopefully uh, the fact that now we have Judge Gorsuch on the court as Justice Gorsuch, uh, he'll be on the court for He's only 50. Yeah, 49 years old. And I read today, John, I didn't actually know this, but but one article I read today actually said that of the 21 names that were on President Trump's list, he was actually the very youngest. Oh, well, that's good. Which I didn't realize <laughs> that he was the very youngest, but that's huge. Yeah. I mean, uh, Judge, uh, how, old, how old was John Paul Stevens when he retired? Like 81 uh, or something? Gosh, I don't know, 130. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you... But yeah, he'll, he'll probably be on the court for 30 years. Yeah. I mean, literally, it could be it could be 2047 or beyond, 2050, by the time Judge Gorsuch yeah, retires. Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's still chugging along. She's 83. That, there you go. Anyway. So, I mean, this is going to be a huge deal for people, and I, I know uh, it's one of those things where I think a lot of times it's not stuff that we necessarily can do to really help perf- uh, confirm a Supreme Court justice uh, other than pray, but I, I do and think... Vote. And vote, yes. I, and I do have to say... Um, John and myself and many other people had a lot of consternation about the current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Right to Life of Central California had no opinion about, and about any of this. A, as so. did neither uh, California Family Council. But as individuals and talking with many of our friends across the country, I think there was a lot of like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know, can well, we is really... He, is he actually going to be pro-life? Because he, he had a, you know, a track record. I mean, he had been pro-choice as recently. Trump had been officially pro-choice as recently as like 2011 yeah um but you know what he 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 nominating this supreme court nomination alone would be a tremendous legacy yeah for this president and if he gets one more supreme court nominee on who can replace like kennedy or ginsburg um i mean he'll have done more for the pro-life movement than essentially anyone yeah Anyway, and, and I think, again, the important thing to remember is this is just step one. We obviously still have a long way to go. Um, the big thing, if you want to uh, continue to pray and you want to know what's the next step, 
be praying for at least one retirement. I'm not, not imprecatory prayers. We're not asking for anyone to die. <laughs> well, well, you know. <laughs> we're asking for hopefully at least some, one more some retirement. Nice peaceful retirements. Yeah. Yes, peaceful retirements, long life in, in and retirement. And happiness. Yeah. Uh, but it'd be great to see one of those four liberals that you said, John, on the court that are staunchly pro-choice, pro-abortion, or maybe even Justice Kennedy. It'd be great to see at least one of them retire uh, sometime soon so that we can get another vote on the court to overturn Roe v. Wade. And if that happens... Then the real fight begins, really, because yeah. then every state in the union can decide its own laws about abortion. Yeah, so. and, and that's the goal. We're, this, is a, uh, this has been a long time getting to this position. It's going to be a long time working our way out. But I think today's action by the Senate, and bravo, Mitch McConnell. You know, we tip our hat to you, sir. And uh, Saved the republic. Saved the republic. <laughs> <laughs> but John, uh, I know we're going to obviously post this yeah, on your page. We can but wrap this up. What's your uh, What's the website for Right to Life yeah, Central California? Yeah, uh, go to righttolifeca.org. Uh, check us out. Well, you'll probably see this on our Facebook page, but you can also check us out on Twitter, twitter.com/slash/righttolifeca. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just go there for updates on all the cool events and good stuff we have going on. And I am uh, Jonathan Keller on Twitter. You can follow us at californiafamily.org is our main website. And there will be lots of stuff coming up. I know uh, John and I also uh, each host a one-hour radio show. Mine is Mondays from 9 to 10. John's is Thursdays from 9 to 10. So you uh, you can go subscribe to either or both of our podcasts. And we will be frequent guests, I think, on each other's shows, talking about some of these issues and lots of other issues. So uh, congratulations, Judge Gorsuch. We'll be praying for you. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, pray for the Supreme Court. Even this term, there's a lot of key cases coming up. So we'll... uh, We'll keep you posted, but everybody, thanks for watching. Please share this video. Please like it. We appreciate you helping get the word out, and we'll be back with you soon. God bless. See you.